uh, text for the message this morning is John 19, verses 28 to 30. I'll read these verses. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, ever since the fall into sin, life has been a struggle. There are good times of peace and enjoyment, but sickness, weariness, death, and our own sinful natures have also brought much suffering into our lives. You know about this struggle because you face it every day. Our Lord Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he has been tempted in every way, just as we are, even though he did not sin. But there is also a very important difference between our struggle and our suffering and our Lord Jesus' suffering. The problem with comparing our suffering to Jesus' suffering is that Jesus was being punished under the curse of God and the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin, whereas we go through all our hard times with God on our side. Jesus was thrust from God's sight, whereas we suffer while God is holding us in his loving hands. Jesus went through the anguish of hell so that we would never have to. He announced that God would never punish us again when he said, it is finished. When Jesus said, it is finished, he means that he had obtained eternal redemption for everyone who believes in him. So that when we breathe our last breath and we say, it is finished, we can do this in the promise of our salvation. Your life on earth is still difficult. There are many difficult times, but by God's grace to you in Christ Jesus, you may face every hardship and every obstacle in the assurance that, that God has already punished his son for you and in your place. Christ has won the victory. And I preach to you this gospel, this Good Friday, under this theme. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, it is finished. We'll see that Christ's hard labor is completed. And secondly, that our eternal rest is confirmed. Right at the beginning of his ministry, John announced to the world who Jesus was and what he had come to do. You can read that in John chapter 1 verses 26 to 30, where John the Baptist announces that Jesus, who had been before him and whose sandals he was unworthy to untie, had come as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Son of God had taken on human flesh. He had put sandals on his human feet, and he had come to be a, sacri a sacrifice, and a sin offering. The language 
of a sacrificial lamb, when the people heard John saying that, they were familiar with the language of a sacrificial lamb. When they transferred their sins from themselves to the sacrificial lamb through contrite confession, they understood that the Lord accepted the blood of the slain lamb as their substitute. The work of the lamb was finished when the wrath of God was poured out upon it instead of on the worshiper who offered the lamb. And however, since an animal cannot, cannot take the place of a human being completely, sin offerings were temporary measures that had to be repeated over and over again until a human was there who was worthy to bear the punishment in our place. All those sacrifices were pointing forward to the promised Messiah who would give his own life once and for all to save sinners. And so John the Baptist already in chapter 1 announced that the Lamb of God, who would be that perfect substitute for sinners, had come. It was a joyful announcement. It was an announcement that taught the people that Jesus would have to suffer and die to accomplish his work. And throughout his gospel, John makes it clear that Jesus himself knew that he had come to the world in order to endure the wrath of God against their sin. He knew that he would die. If you page through the Gospel of John, you can see this. In chapter 2, he, he, he taught that his body was a temple that would have to be destroyed. He told Nicodemus and the Pharisees that he would be lifted up like the serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. You can read that in John 3 and then again in John 8. In chapter 4, it talks about the time when the Samaritans were approaching Jesus. And then at that time, he told his disciples that he had come to accomplish his Father's work. And that this work would be hard labor. Jesus announced that he was the good shepherd who had come to lay down his life for his sheep. And he glorified God. He, he praised God when he knew that the hour of his death had come. You read that in John chapter 12. Jesus had come to manifest God's love by laying down his life for his friends, even though he knew that each one of them would leave him alone. That's in John 15 and 16. And if you look at the other Gospels, you see that they tell us many times that our Lord Jesus foretells his suffering. He, he tells his disciples that he will die and he will be buried for three days and that this was the reason he came to the earth. The events of Good Friday show us Jesus Christ accomplishing what he had come to do. And we may be thankful that God sent his son as our substitute. For the verses we read together, describe the suffering of our Lord Jesus on that Friday so many years ago. And he describes how that suffering came to a close with Jesus, who knew that all was now finished, finally saying, I thirst. Read that in verse 28 
of John 19. After hanging from the nails in his hands for three hours in the strange darkness of that cursed afternoon, Jesus' human body was exhausted, was exposed, he was de dehydrated. His tongue was sticking to the roof of his mouth, and he was thirsty. His thirst reminds us of Jesus' humanity. It points us to the horrors of hell that our Lord Jesus even spoke about in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16. And his thirst assures us that the curse that lay on us had been placed on him instead, just as God had promised in the scriptures. He was thirsty, but there was nothing that he could do for himself because his love for his church kept his hands nailed to the cross. There was some sour wine, some wine vinegar in a jar nearby that was probably kept on hand to keep the soldiers revived through the heat of the day and keep them fresh for their duties in that hot sun. And by attaching a sponge soaked in the sour wine to the weak stalk of a hyssop plant, a man lifted the sour wine that short distance to Jesus' mouth. Although earlier in the day, Jesus had refused the wine mixed with myrrh that served as a, as a sedative, he now receives the trickle of sour wine, which could have helped him to keep aware right to the end. And with that sour taste in his mouth, he announced that it was finished. He died in the darkness, forsaken by God and forsaken by man. If he had run up, if we had run up onto that scene with full spiritual vision just minutes before he said it was finished, we would have seen an angry God pouring out all his eternal wrath against sin and rebellion, against all that sin and rebellion against his most high majesty from the beginning of the world to its end. And we would have seen a pure, innocent, obedient man forsaken and cursed and beaten and despised and thirsty as he took our place to bear the punishment that we deserved. We would have seen a horrific battle with Satan and his demons mocking and hating and accusing Jesus. And, and this time the accuser was, was correctly pointing to all our sins that were on Jesus' shoulders as he hung on the cross. We would have seen what our sins deserve for all eternity. We would have seen the full holiness, the justice of our eternal judge. We would have been filled with shame, with horror, with guilt, fear, and urgent prayers that, that Jesus might succeed in his mission so that we would not have to go to face that hellish agony. But then the cup of God's wrath was empty. For Jesus had drunk it down to the dregs as the good shepherd gave his life for the sheep. And he looked up in his brokenness and with words that many 
may have heard as an anguish cry. He cried triumphantly, it is finished. In the form of the verb that Jesus used when he said, it is finished, is employed to communicate that something completed in the past continues to have lasting consequences into the future. Jesus' words were an announcement that God's redemptive work had passed another milestone. Everything in the future would now be different. His work was effective and brought wonderful blessings for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Jesus finished his suffering with his thirst on the cross in order to provide springs of water welling up to eternal life for believers in the generations to come. The Son's work of manifesting the love of his Father by bringing salvation had been completed so that whoever believes in him should not perish but has eternal life. Cursed by God and by man, Jesus thirsty mouth received the drops of sour wine at the bottom of the cup of God's wrath so that there is no curse left in the cup of wrath for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled every scriptural promise concerning the, the, the coming of the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. While hanging on the cross, knowing that all the suffering required to satisfy God's justice had now been and forever should remain completed, he announced it. He said, it is finished. And although Christ declared that his work was finished, he declared this to the church. When he said, it is finished, this does not mean that there are no longer any ungodly rebels who refuse to acknowledge God or his son Jesus Christ as their savior. He did not say that, there are, that everybody could experience that salvation. There is a place outside of Christ where his work is not finished. There are enemies of God who continue to fight against the Lord, to resist his grace, to hurt his church, luring uncommitted members of the local churches, luring untrained, unsuspecting covenant children who do not love Jesus Christ, to leave and to join their fight against God. And even though such people have tasted the goodness of God for a time, if they do not repent, they will spend their eternity in a place where it is not finished. And God's curse remains on them. And we mention this so that we understand the depth of God's grace and mercy to us. The truly gracious work of Jesus Christ. Good Friday and the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, they remind us how our daily repentance and our serious commitment to Jesus Christ are a matter of life and death for every person in the world. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus has given his life for the sheep, 
And he calls everyone to, to hear his voice and to follow the way that he had opened up through the wrath of God and into his peace. And as we constantly fight against our sinful nature, and as we continue to resist attacks from God's enemies, we are very thankful to the Lord for the words of our text. Although life may be difficult, and the struggle against temptations is very real, we never have to suffer what Christ suffered when we believe in him. We no longer need to satisfy God's justice. We do not need to fear being punished for the sins we have asked God to forgive in Jesus' name. After Jesus announced that it was all completed, that scene on the battlefield was changed forever. Everything had been changed forever. When Jesus said these words, he himself would yet be buried to confirm his death. But there was nothing that could change or ever undo the work that Christ Jesus had completed. Christ Jesus has obtained our redemption. A work completed in the past with lasting consequences. We are not waiting for another mediator. Christ Jesus does not need to be sacrificed again and again. There is no checklist of good works that we have to go through in order to attain salvation. There is no more punishment for our sins. It is finished. God is on our side as we fight the last pockets of resistance. The banner of, of Christ flies in the sky above us, above our, our hearts, above our lives, above our churches. And Jesus' words remind us that our eternal rest is confirmed. After Jesus said, it is finished, we read that he bowed his head, gave up his spirit. As the Lord Jesus announced in John 10 verse 18, no one takes his life from him, but he lays it down of his own accord. He has authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. The devout Jews at that time, the time of our Lord Jesus, they used to quote Psalm 31 verse 5 as a bedtime prayer. And Luke tells us that Jesus also said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And it is possible that before he closed his eyes to die, Jesus said the prayer that he had said for so many years before he went to sleep. He would die in the peaceful knowledge that he had accomplished all the work that his father had given him to do. He rested in the full assurance that his father would now receive his spirit, as we also sang about in Psalm 22. The seed that had to die in order to bring many children of God to glory. And after the hard labor had been completed, the great harvest of eternal life could begin. Jesus' words in John 19, verse 30, they remind us of the last day of creation 
that we can read about in Genesis 1, verse 31 to 2, verse 3. There we read that everything that God had made at that time was very good. There was no sin. There was no suffering. There was no pain. Human beings crowned God's work of creation. They had everything they needed to praise and glorify God for all eternity. And so he said, it is finished. Genesis 2 verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done. It was a completed action in the past that had consequences for all time, for God is eternal. God's long-term plan for mankind was rest and peace with him. And it is this rest that the Son of God came to restore when he took on human flesh. The Son of God even, he even says it himself in John 5, he had, he had entered into his Father's work to bring it to completion by freeing all flesh from the misery and anguish of eternal punishment that they had plunged themselves into. When the work of restoration was done, Jesus said, it is finished. He said it again. Things are restored to what they were like when God finished his creating work. Now the Sabbath rest of God can be celebrated in the anticipation of the eternal rest we have with God in Jesus Christ. After Jesus had finished drinking the cup of God's wrath, he gave everyone who receives Christ by eating the bread of faith a different cup. And this time, it is a cup of the wine of celebration. And when we eat the bread and drink the wine of the Lord's Supper, we also remember that by his death and the shedding of his blood, our Lord Jesus confirmed the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace, when he said, it is finished. You may recognize those words from the form for Lord's Supper that we read every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. He confirmed the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace, when he said, it is finished. A testament is a will or a document that someone makes up to explain how his possessions will be divided up after he dies and who will receive the inheritance? And if you look at Hebrews 9, verses 15 to 28, there is quite an explanation of, of how Christ's death brings us into that inheritance. The Holy Spirit explains that the debt of our sins prevented us from receiving the inheritance that was promised to us at creation. However, when Jesus died for us, he paid that debt once and for all so that we can be adopted as sons and receive the promise of eternal life in the covenant of grace. Everything had been restored to the way God had made it. Jesus put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. We read in Hebrews 9 verse 26, 
So we know that when Christ comes back, he will not condemn us to eternal death, but he will come back to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. We read in Hebrews 9, verse 28, the hard labor is finished. The terms of God's covenant of grace uh, the, the terms of God's covenant of grace can be, be fully received by those who believe in Jesus Christ and who share in his finished work. And now we may live our lives as Christians on the earth with the guarantee of eternal rest so clearly signified for us in the weekly day of rest. After Jesus said it was finished, his church was able to enter into his rest. Although Jesus had fulfilled all the sacrifices and he had paid for our sins once and for all and he completed the work of bearing God's punishment for everyone who believes in him and he said, it is finished. He was not saying that there was nothing left to do in this world. He himself had further work to do. We'll see that on Easter morning when he publicly declared his righteousness to assure believers of their justification. He announced that the punishment was done and yet we see that the work continues. We'll see that on his ascension. We'll see that at Pentecost when our Lord Jesus continued to gather the, the other sheep that he spoke about in John chapter 10 through the preaching of the apostles. The hard labor was over, but the work of reaping the harvest still remained and still remains. And our Lord Jesus assigned this work to his church. And as his spirit leads us to take possessions of the blessings of the kingdom that he obtained, we may know that Jesus Christ has overcome the world for the citizens of his kingdom. And brothers and sisters, let us now then embrace the rest that Jesus Christ has obtained for us. Let us find peace in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let us remember that whatever is happening around us in the world, we are God's children and we have rest in him. And as he calls us to follow him, let us hear the voice of our good shepherd who gave his life for us. Let's go out also making disciples of all nations, inviting them into this rest. For Christ has said, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Christ said, it is finished. And now our new life begins as we put our hope and our trust in his resurrection, as we're raised with him to new life. We'll see that more on Easter Sunday. Amen. We'll now sing together another psalm that was referred to when it says that our Lord Jesus said he was thirsty and that this fulfilled the scriptures See in Psalm 69 also another reference of Jesus' enemies, or the enemies of the servant of God, giving him sour wine to drink. 
And then we notice that this psalm, Psalm 69, also ends with praise to God, anticipating and celebrating the finished work of Jesus Christ. We'll sing together, uh, standing, if you're able, Psalm 69, stanzas 7 and 11. <laughs> 